Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and finally, the triumphant return of the show as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 43. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where Nick Jacobs and I take a long look at the Kansas City Chiefs offense and what could be coming from Arrowhead Stadium to Lincoln Financial Field this fall with new head coach Doug Peterson. Next up, we've got Two Technique, where Eagles running back Kenyon Bonner stops by to talk about the importance of vision at the running back position. And then we wrap the show up looking through my notes and Saturday scouting on Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. He just got his extension last week, so what better time to go through my notes on him coming out of Stanford in 2013. But before we get into all that, it's time to welcome in my favorite guy in the room, the man with a plan, my esteemed producer, Brian Thomas. What's up, BT? How you doing, sir? Doing all right. It's, uh, it's good to be back here in the saddle. Obviously, both of us down in Mobile, Alabama last week for a long week, a strenuous week of work uh, down at the Senior Bowl. But good to be back here. It was a long week but the week before that as well at the East-West Shrine game. Yep, it's a long week, and it, it, it can be long, strenuous work, but it's good to get back in the swing of things here at Novacare. No, no question about it. It's great. Obviously, a great atmosphere at both games, but good to be back here. and We can get back in all of your regularly scheduled programming, both from a podcast standpoint, video, print, audio, everything that we've got here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. It'll now be back to its regular schedule. So uh, let's get to the rest of the show. We've got a lot to get to, so I'm very excited to get to my first guest. He does a great job covering the Chiefs for Time Warner Cable in Kansas City. It's Nick Jacobs and Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Very happy to be joined by Nick Jacobs. He does a great job covering the Chiefs, whether it's for Time Warner Cable or as a writer for Chiefs Digest. And I know my followers will enjoy this. He does a great job posting all 22 Vines and Twitter videos on his Twitter account, at Jacob71. Nick, I appreciate the time this morning to talk about this Kansas City offense. And the first question I have to ask is, and I think what Eagles can expect from an X's and O's perspective from Doug Peterson and this Chiefs offense, because I think too many fans right now just think it's the same old Andy Reid offense. And is that the case? How much of it is that basic West Coast offense from what you've seen over the past couple of years? Well, uh, for the past three years, I, I think they will have some reminders of the Andy Reid offense that was in Philadelphia. You're going to see some of the screens. You're going to see some of the fake uh, – off-tackle handoffs and then a wide receiver screen. You may see a fake screen to the left with a tight end screen on the backside. You will see some of that aspect that I know Eagles fans at times got frustrated with. But I don't think that – I think Doug Peterson really wants to be his own man. And I I can tell that from watching the press conference from afar. I think he wants to put his own stamp on everything. I I think he wants to take what he liked that worked in Green Bay when he was a player – what he saw around the league when he was a quarterback. And then I think he also wants to take some of what he liked in Philly, some of what he liked in Kansas City, and just kind of create his own offense. I think there's going to be a lot of West Coast influence in it, but I don't think it's going to be just specifically what Andy Reid ran is exactly what they're going to do. You know, it's interesting, Nick. I, I've been going through the Chiefs' offense. Obviously, I was on the road the past couple of weeks for the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game, and then coming back and getting a chance to start to watch this Kansas City offense. They take a little bit more shots downfield than what I would have expected. Then also, 
what we saw in, in comparison to the Eagles this past year with Sam Bradford and with Chip Kelly, I thought there were a lot more downfield shots from Alex Smith and this Chiefs offense. Hey, do you think that that's kind of a, a misconception about that team and, and really that quarterback as well? I, I think that people are probably basing it on the past, uh, probably the second season when uh, Andy Reid and Doug Peterson were here. Because that first season, when Alex Smith had the offensive line, he had Brandon Albert, who went to the Pro Bowl again this year with Miami, at left tackle. He had Jeff Allen. He had uh, he had he had Jeff Schwartz. He had Donald Stevenson, and, and he had a solid offense. And Roddy Hudson. He had a solid offensive line that was able to buy him time to be able to progress through read one through read four. And he was able to pick the best option available. He was able to make the multiple reads that they asked him to do in a quick manner. And then in year two, they had some struggles because they didn't have the same guard play because they let Schwartz walk uh, to go uh, test free agency, and he went to the Giants. Then Albert went to the Dolphins. So then at that point, it was really Rodney Hudson in the interior, and then they had to kind of scramble to find guard play that could work for them. And they didn't really have the same amount of time. So then in year two, they had to kind of adjust accordingly to what in their offense could work to give them the exact time that they needed. And what plays they could do in a quick time that were, okay, in two seconds, we can get the ball out to here, here, we're going to have to do it. And then that's what they kind of did that year. And then this year, when they finally got former Eagle Jeremy Macklin, that's whenever this offense really was finally able to do what they wanted to do because teams were stacking the box, putting eight in the box because we're, we're going to stop Jamal Charles, and then we're going to take away Kelsey, so then you guys aren't going to be able to do anything because Donnie Avery and A.J. Jenkins aren't going to beat us. But when you bring in somebody like Jeremy Macklin, that gave the Chiefs the over-the-top threat that they needed to make the safeties respect with too deep or, or cover three or something of that nature to where – they had what they needed, and Alex Alex is a quarterback that needs to be able to trust who his receivers are, trust that they're going to be at the spot that they need to be, that they're seeing the coverage the same way that he is, where they're seeing the weakness in the coverage. Alex Smith is a very smart quarterback that doesn't get the respect that he deserves to where his mental game is probably up there with some of the best. He may not be able to make some of the throws that the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's of the world can make, but mentally, he can see the defense the same way. Macklin's speed allowed them to throw over top, along with Kelsey at times. So they were able to finally take some shots again this year and create some of those explosive plays. And I think with the right line at Philly and the receiving court they have actually could do it. And as long as they have a quarterback that Doug feels comfortable with, I could see them being very successful as well. The one thing that has stood out to me for sure, Nick, watching the Chiefs over the past uh, couple of years, really, is their ability to get some of their playmakers in space and, and creating play designs where you're, the sole focus is to get Travis Kelsey the football in the middle of the field. The sole focus is to get a running back on an arrow route out of the backfield or a Texas route in the middle of the field against a linebacker. And that's something that's been solely, or sorely missed here in Philadelphia. Is that something that you saw as well? Is that a big part of what Doug Peterson and what the Chiefs offense has been about over the past few years? Yeah, that's definitely that's been their number one thing, and you can tell early on who they're wanting to get the ball to in a very quick fashion. Because there, there's been times, I still remember this one play that was a third and one in Oakland in 2013, back when they had the offensive line. They had a uh, they had a 
30, had 31 personnel on, on that play. They didn't have anybody out wide. They sent a tight end, I think, at some point out wide there. Then they uh, – actually, they had 30, 32 personnel, I think. And then they sent uh, they sent one of the tight ends or the fullbacks out wide. And then they they faked the, they faked the play action. There was I remember counting. There was eleven guys in the box at the point because they thought Jamal was going to run it. Then they sent Jamal on a little wheel, on this little wheel route, and they took it seventy-one yards for a touchdown. And they, they knew how, they knew Oakland was going to be in that position, and they knew Oakland was going to be in that. And the play was specifically just designed for Jamal. We're going to show you guys one of our jumbo packages. They were going to sneak Jamal out off play action, and then we're going to exploit it. And then, like you said, there's times like. Against the Patriots in 2014, Travis Kelsey, they got him on the edge with screens. They got him out of bunch formations to have a sit-down route to manipulate some of the zone coverages that the Patriots were running against their linebackers. And and even Jamal himself, they would, at times, they would put DeAnthony Thomas and Jamal Charles both in the backfield, the two biggest speed threats that they had. And then they would run a fake pitch with a counter off of it. So it looked like a pitch, but the quarterback's really handed it off on a counter, the backside. They used to run that against the Buffalo Bills whenever Jim Schwartz was the defensive coordinator. And they, they would create fits with him against that. And then they ran it with the Dolphins, too, with Niall Davis. And they they did a really good job of being able in 2014 to learn how to misdirect people, but also be able to get the Travis Kelseys or Jamal Charles at the time, who were their two biggest threats that teams were wanting to take away, they always figured out ways to get them in the space like you were talking about to get them the ball so that they could win the game. There, there's so much to, to digest there. And I'll start first. You talked about that Oakland play, uh, the wheel route to Jamal Charles. And for Eagles fans, all you have to do is just close your eyes and just think, of what you can do with the the running backs that are here, whether it's Darren Sproles, Ryan Matthews, obviously you have DeMarco Murray as well, but then also the group of tight ends. Where does Trey Burton fit in? And you know what he can be on special teams, and athletically he has everything that you want from the tight end position. We've seen him make big plays in the passing game. Zach Ertz they just brought back. Uh, Brent Selleck they just brought in. So you have some of these jumbo packages, and I've talked in the past so often Teams are able to create mismatches because of how they deploy their personnel. And with Peterson's experience in doing that in Kansas City, I think we can expect some of those different things here in Philadelphia. So that's something that's very exciting. And then you touched on the misdirection aspect of it and some of the the diverse layers that we've seen from this rushing attack. And obviously they've had to really do a good job of creating with Jamal Charles out of the lineup this past season – the, the addition of Chris Alt to that coaching staff a couple of years ago, a lot of people see him as the grandfather of the pistol and, and really uh, one of the, the foremost thinkers in terms of contemporary football concepts, especially in the run game. How do you feel like Chris Alt, and he, he was the former head coach of Nevada, retired, and he ended up going to Kansas City as a, I think it was as a consultant, right, right Nick? What, what do you think was his biggest impact on that staff and then on Doug Peterson as well? I would say for the staff and Doug, the biggest thing he helped them do was basically create that sleight of hand to do a unique way of essentially running play action. So where it, it may be, sh- you know, it may be shotgun. You're going to run a zone read out of that, but at the same time, Alex has three potential options from that to where it essentially turns into potential bootleg, or it turns into just a quarterback rollout to where. You've got the entire defense honoring Jamal Charles on a zone read, and he's stretching them out. But then Alex, with his athletic ability, 
could take it out to the right side and sneak out backside with a tight end or a wide receiver running across the middle. So it, it's essentially a bootleg concept, but they made it look like a zone read option to where, I mean, teams do that typically. You see teams do that out of center. You don't see them as much do it from a shotgun perspective. So they had the little wrinkle there, and then the Chiefs actually were very successful in 2013. They didn't really do a much the past two years with the pistol formation, and that had Chris all just written all over it the way that they would do it concept-wise. Actually, come to think of it, the Chiefs did it a couple times in the playoffs. They were able to bring it back to where, uh, for example, against the Patriots when they scored that touchdown to make it 27-20 to at that time, where they ran that concept where they put a little motion back there, and then they essentially just ran Alex Smith stretching the defense with a pitch to West, and Alex waited till the last moment. And I could tell that had the, that had the Chris Alt influence because before, when I used to watch Andy Reid before he came to Kansas City, I didn't see those type of little wrinkles in there to where they took an athletic quarterback and stretched everything he could do ability-wise to be able to create just little creases that they could be able to run off of out in space. So there's that, and then also there's a couple times where they run like quarterback sweeps that they would do. They tried that against the Patriots and it didn't work as well, but there's been times where they've, they've misdirected to where they make it look like a stretch run, and then Alex would turn around with there would be two running backs in the backfield, One's going to go on the stretch, and then Alex rotates back around, essentially like a bootleg concept, and then he runs the pitch. So there's those little wrinkles, and I think those come in handy down in the red zone if you run the right formations and and stretch out the defenses in certain spots where you're wanting to attack. And I think that's where Chris Alt really kind of had his fingerprints on the Chiefs system. And then lastly, Nick, the, the other area that I've definitely noticed, and this is something that's very prevalent around the NFL at this point, is the, the use of package plays and those run-pass options for the quarterback where depending on how the defense deploys itself, it could be a run play or a pass play. How often did you see that inside the structure of the Chiefs' offense, and do you think that'll be a big part of what Peterson brings to Philly? I, I think it'll be a portion of what Doug brings to Philly. Um, from what from what I saw, they, it seemed like they did that a little bit more this past year. They did it they did it a lot in 2014 because they were trying to compensate for some of the issues on the interior of their offensive line. So they made sure that they always gave themselves that run pass option to where there'd be times where they're going to run a where uh, they it looked like they're going to run a little zone read stretch play, and then they would run a slant with the receiver, or they would have a bunch formation with the wide receiver screen. And the Chiefs ran that concept a lot this year to where the play that you typically saw was you saw an off-tackle shotgun with a bunch formation on the opposite side to where either Alex would hand off, keep it, or then throw out to the bunch whatever concept they were running on the play. And you did see that a lot, that formation, and the team started getting wise to that bunch formation. And then the Chiefs had to evolve at some point to it and and did it sometimes and were able to keep the effectiveness of that of that concept in that play. So it just it's going to take whoever the Eagles have a quarterback, somebody that can handle the volume of what Doug is probably going to want to put in and somebody that he has a comfort level with, whether that is Mark Sanchez or somebody else. And that is going to be the key towards how quickly Doug will be able to grow this offense into what it's capable of with what he would like to use. And I do think something that, I think Doug is going to use a lot more of than they did in 2013 is the two tight end sets. Because like you said, they have Selleck up there, they have Zach Ertz, 
and those two guys athletically can pretty much do anything that you want, similar to what the Patriots had with Hernandez and Gronkowski. And it, it just it allows so much in the run game and so much in the pass, and I think that's something that Doug is probably going to use more than what the Chiefs use in Kansas City based on some of the moves that the Eagles have made, and I think it'll work out really well for them. All right, Nick. Well, really great stuff, and I really appreciate you joining us here. I think you did a really good job of painting a picture for Eagles fans of what they can expect, an early look at what Doug Peterson could bring here to Philadelphia from an X's and O's standpoint. I appreciate you joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Great stuff from Nick, and again, you can follow him on Twitter at Jacob71, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. Give me a follow if you like what you're hearing on this podcast. I tweet out the links to this show and all the other podcasts I'm a part of, the Eagle Eye in the Sky column, which will be making a return later this week, and a whole lot more, so be sure to go out and check that out. You know I really appreciate everybody that gives us love and promotes the podcast and social media. Before we get to the rest of the show, here's my weekly reminder. Please go on, check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever podcasts can be found, and give us a quick rating, leave us a comment. It's the best way to support the podcast each week. We can let You can let us know how to improve the show week in and week out. Love hearing feedback from everybody out there. But let's keep this show going. I had a great conversation with Kenyon Barner about one of the most important traits at the running back position. Let's get to that conversation in two technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two technique. Here now with Eagles running back Kenyon Barner. Kenyon, I wanted to ask you about one of the traits that everybody talks about with the running back, and that's vision. Do you feel like vision is an innate trait, like they're born with it and you either have it or you don't, or do you think it's something that a running back can kind of improve with that over time? I think a lot of it is you're born with it or you're not, um, but I also think it can be improved upon. Um, when I was in college, Coach Cam used to, we used to do a little technique or work, uh, however you want to call it, uh, in the meeting room. You'd turn all the lights off, he'd have his laser, and he'd just point it around different areas, <laughs> different areas of the room, and he would tell you without turning your head, find the laser. So you're just constantly looking around. We also had other methods where uh, we had a lady come in and it would be, you know, a bunch of tennis balls on the screen. They would highlight three at the beginning, and then you would have to track all three. It would be in a group of six or seven, you would track all three. And so I, I definitely something that you can work on, um, but I think a lot of it is just natural vulnerability. That's the thing is it almost comes down to, like, the reaction quickness and just being able to, you know, see what's happening in front of you and then react to that. Uh, how does that then differ? And a lot of people are going to be talking about over the next few months the difference between zone running and gap scheme running. Are, is one easier than the other for the running back in terms of being able to react to what's in front of you or are one scheme more defined? I think it's the same um, because once that ball carrier has the ball in his hand, he has to read, he has to react. Um, it's the same in his own, same as in a gap system. Um, it's all the same. Last question for you. Where would vision rank for you in terms of traits that a running back needs to have to be successful? Very high. It might be number one in my book, you know, because if you don't have vision, you'll never see a cut, you'll never see a hole. So if you don't have vision, you can't run the ball. That was some great stuff there from Kenyon. He did a great job breaking down how important vision is to the running back position. So now I'm going to quickly break down how to subscribe to a podcast. If you're listening to this on the Eagles app or on the website and you like what you hear, it's really easy. You just go to your phone, you go to your laptop, whatever your device is, you go to your local podcast app and you just search for Eagle Eye in the Sky, you hit subscribe, and now this show will download automatically to your phone each and every week and you can listen whenever and however you want. 
all I do now is listen to podcasts. I don't listen to local radio. I don't listen to music rarely, you know, barely anything anymore. Now it's all podcasts all the time. Uh, BT was the one who got me hooked into podcasts, and really my, the way that I ingest content has not been the same since then. But let's get to the rest of the show. Let's wrap it up like we do every week. Let's get into Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, so this week on Saturday Scouting, B, I wanted to take a look back at Zach Ertz, and obviously a guy that has been very, very productive. I think, feel like he's gotten better each and every year in his career so far with the Philadelphia Eagles and signed the big extension a week ago when we were down in Mobile, and you see, you see the guy that is, is just so happy to be back here in Philadelphia. He really wants to learn and be one of those players that fans can look back on for years to come. They talked about Brian Dawkins and Trotter and McNabb and Westbrook and some of those guys from that era that fans just look to as a legacy here in the city. And it's just really exciting to be able to see him try to live up to that moving forward. Yeah, he's probably got a lot, you know, obviously a great, uh, learning a lot from Brenton Selleck, uh, one of the obviously greatest tight ends in Eagles history. So it's nice to see him locked up here for a long period of time and now he can just focus on things on the field. No question. So let's get into my notes on him because obviously he was a guy that was very highly regarded coming out of Stanford and a player that I really liked coming out of school. And it's interesting. I went back and looking through my notes and uh, a lot of things I feel like were strengths of his game in college turned out to be the case in the NFL level. And I think that's a theme that we're going to see throughout the course of doing this series. And he was a guy that lined up all over the formation in Stanford's offense. He was an inline player. He lined up in the wing, in the slot, at times as the ex-ISO receiver on the outside in three-by-one sets against cornerbacks. He wins at the line of scrimmage with multiple release moves and has the initial quickness to threaten defenders early in the down. He possesses both the speed to get down the seam and the quickness to get in and out of breaks cleanly. He's a long strider that eats up ground quickly. So again, you're talking athletically, a guy that can get on top of defenders quickly early in the down. And when you do that, you put those defenders in in stress. And, And now if you have a guy, especially a linebacker, who's not used to moving in reverse, if you have a tight end coming at you that has that athleticism, now you're, you're keeping that linebacker second-guessing. And that's something that Ertz showed in college. He shows that ability as well at the NFL level. Uh, looking more at my notes again, has some savvy to him as a route runner, more than you'd expect from an underclassman at the tight end position. He sets up double moves well, and he has the smoothness you want at the top of his stem with potential to get even better. He flashes strong hands at the catch point, does a good job winning on those 50-50 balls, and his basketball background is very apparent while watching him play. He has plus ball skills for the position and can be a a threat against linebackers, safeties, and even corners because of his combination of size, movement, and ability to play the ball in the air. Obviously, those are all things that have have, uh, shown up well throughout his career here in Philadelphia. He was a willing blocker that needs to continue to get stronger at the point of attack, and he gives good effort. So I'm not worried about his ability to improve. One concern is the real lack of length. With less than 32-inch arms, he may have trouble sustaining blocks in the run game. And while he he flashes strong hands, he did fight the ball a bit on tape and can continue to get more consistent there. Overall, I said he's got the ability to be, at the very least, a quality red zone threat at the next level. But he has high-level starting upside and Pro Bowl potential, and I thought he was a late first or early second-round selection. So... Uh, looking back at my notes, I feel like I did pretty well on uh, on Zach Ertz. What do you think? Yeah, yeah hit it, hit it right on the head. So uh, it's interesting now looking back at Zach Ertz and his career, and uh, hoping for a lot more here in Philadelphia. Very excited about his role 
in this offense with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich calling the plays here in Philadelphia. But let's wrap the show up again. Thanks to Nick Jacobs, to Kenyon Bonner, and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes or Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And if you get the time, go on, rate the show, leave us a comment, and let us know what you think. Shoot me a question. I want to hear from everybody out there and keep all of you happy. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment, and we can keep making this show better each and every week. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Line the Sky podcast. For my producer, BT, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.